You must have said something to you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't celebrate Valentine's Day because for I was every day Valentine's Day. <laughs> Always that <had a> chance. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> A warm welcome to everybody who's here today at Church of the Remnant. And the title today is God's Power and Glory, part one, part two on Sunday. A Spiritual Tsunami. So a warm welcome to everybody and I'd just like to commit it to prayer first of all. Father God, let Glasgow, let Scotland, let the UK, all your sheep nations Lord especially upon the earth in these days truly flourish by the praising of your name and the preaching of your word both this day and every day to come. Father God, may you be glorified in our midst today as we're gathered here and later on in our homes as people listen to this in the podcast. I pray, Lord, you'd give us spiritual ears to hear what your Holy Spirit is saying to each one of us personally and that we would be edified through your word, through your spirit, and you would confirm your word with signs and wonders following. And we give you all the glory, all the honour, and all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So today I am going to divide this into three sections. And I'm going to start, first of all, by defining what the glory is and what it isn't. And then I'll give you a few Old Testament examples. And then I'll finish with the largest part of it, how we actually live in the new covenant um, with God's glory and a few um, things that I've done over the years that have helped me to walk in the glory and experience it. Because there are certain things that we can do that strengthens uh, that and other things that can block it. So hopefully this will be encouraging to you. So the first thing is, what is the glory of God? Because a lot of people are not quite sure. Um, when I came into the baptism in the Holy Spirit in the mid-80s, I wasn't really sure what God's glory meant. And I thought I'd start off today defining a couple of things, a couple of words. And they're from uh, Bible dictionaries, but they tie in with like the Merriam-Webster and stuff like that as well. So... I'll define some things and then I'll build upon that. Um, so if you're anything like me, when you first come into the experience of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, 
you know, you're, you're on fire for the Lord. You just can't get enough of the word and, and you just really, it's a new experience. Everything becomes alive for you in the kingdom of God. And I was very fortunate because when that happened to me in the mid eighties, there was a lot of preachers, teachers around then who were talking about the glory and talking about the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, people like, if you've not heard them before, uh, you'll hear people talk about Kenneth Hagen, Oral Roberts, and Andrew Womack. And Andrew Womack is still teaching today. And I read just about every book that I could get hold of that were uh, written by the people I've just mentioned. And just very briefly, because it ties in um, I actually was very blessed to meet Andrew Womack personally around 1995. And the reason that I'm mentioning it is because um, about 10 years before that, when I was a student nurse, I had come into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I didn't understand about God's prosperity financially. I was a student nurse and I didn't have a lot of money and I wanted to learn, but a lot of the ministries were asking for, you know, money for things they'd put together and I just didn't have it. And I didn't understand about God's prosperity. And Andrew Womack had just started in the UK and it was a tiny ministry in the UK. And basically he sent me teaching tapes that were so powerful, including box sets, um, for nothing, including the postage. And I ended up with about 50 old cassettes that filled shoe boxes. And even, you know, ones that were in presentation boxes, um, he sent me them all for about 10 years. And so um, in between time, you know, I'd learned about the power and the glory of God and how to actually walk in financial prosperity. But when I met him that day, uh, I just thanked him because, you know, he had actually prospered himself by giving away all these things. Um, God had really blessed him and I just wanted to thank him. And so that was such a blessing to me. And he is, you know, most people have heard of Andrew Womack um, now. So... That was something that happened to me personally. And I started to understand more about um, the glory of God and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It was all new to me because I had grown up in the Church of Scotland. I had been saved about age eight, but I'd never heard about these things. I didn't know about the glory, the power of God and all the things that we are blessed to know about in the Church of the Remnant. So, Basically, just a couple of definitions after just uh, sharing about my sort of background and I had no idea about this at the beginning. Um, many of God's people don't understand what the glory is. So if we go to the word 2 Peter verse 1, it says there, For he received from God the Father honour and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. Basically, in this passage, Peter, um, the latter word 
glory in this passage of Peter refers to the visible splendor or the bright cloud that overshadowed Jesus Christ on uh, the Mount of Transfiguration. And it was visible. And so glory refers to beauty, brilliance, splendor, power. And it's also literally translated as a heavy weight, uh, meaning like the heaviest, sort of biggest, grandest thing about someone. And if you do a word study yourself on glory in the Bible, you'll find umpteen verses that talk about this. And God's glory can manifest. And when that happens, the Hebrew word for it is Shekinah. It's his divine presence. So it's the presence of God, the visible manifestation of God on earth, the Shekinah. That's what the, the Hebrew word is. And it means dwelling, settling place of the divine presence of God. So it's also been called, you know, this manifested power. What does that mean? Well, if you look up the word manifest, that just means to be able to see clearly. Uh, it's visible. It's recognizable. You can discern it. So the manifest power and presence of God with his glory, you can see it. You know, there's something going on, even if people aren't quite sure what it is. So it can be seen. You can discern it. So just very quickly to recap with this definition thing. Uh, the glory of God, it's not just a feeling um, or an event or something to do with the Old Testament. Um, it's actually, you know, with talking about that heaviness, that weight of the full character of God contained within his glory. It's really a tsunami. It's a wave. It can come in waves, knock people down. It's so powerful, that's why I've called it a spiritual tsunami. Because when the glory of God manifests in a place powerfully, then I defy anyone to be able to stay standing. Um, now, obviously, we, are, we can rein in things. You know, uh, the gifts of the Spirit don't just cause confusion and chaos in a meeting. Um, but... When the glory and the power of God comes, God is sovereign, then we can be, you know, end up on the ground. That's what happened in the Old Testament. And it's the power and the manifest presence of God showing up. So what about the power side then? Just very quickly, Jesus talks about it in, in Acts 1 verse 8. He tells the disciples as he is going back to the Father that they are to wait uh, on what we know now, the Holy Spirit coming. And But the way he talks about it is for the power from on high to come and it will fill them and they won't be left uh, alone. His Holy Spirit will now come and be on earth instead of in the Old Testament when it just came upon people. 
for a certain function or a certain time. Now the Holy Spirit was coming to infill believers permanently. And so the kind of power we're talking about is the same power that caused Jesus to be resurrected from the dead, the Holy Spirit of God. So it all ties together God's glory, his power, his manifest presence. And the glory and the power of God is greater than anything else in this universe, in existence. And you can enter the glory. And it's by faith. It's the same with every single thing in the kingdom of God. It's by faith that we enter in. It's the same with the glory. So just the second thing, a couple of Old Testament examples for you because the glory did manifest in the Old Testament and it was in a different way to today. So don't get alarmed. <laughs> a couple of things I share because we're talking about the Old Covenant here. And we live in the new covenant because of Jesus. But if we look in Exodus 10, verse 23, that same glory that we're talking about separated the Israelites, the Hebrews, and in the land of Goshen in Egypt. You know, we've talked about Goshen uh, many, many times recently. Well, it says there that it was... The rest of Egypt um, realized there was a light in the land of Goshen, but not where they were. And this uh, was talking about the, the manifest, the presence, the glory of God. <clears throat> so that was, if you're taking notes, that's Exodus 10, verse 23. And so the light was the glory of God's presence. And it also talks about um, the same thing in Exodus 13, verse 21. And it was talking here about it manifested as fire by night and a cloud by day in the wilderness. Uh, but it was still the same glory and power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It just manifested differently in the Old Testament. And if you look at, this is, explains it really well, Exodus chapter 19 and verses 1 to 18. If you read through here, this is talking about how God manifested his glory um, to the Israelites who were led by Moses. And in this particular scripture, it talks about, if you imagine, they've come to Mount Sinai. It's in the desert. They've, in less than three months, they have experienced the parting of the Red Sea, brought out of Egypt. Now they're camped at the foot of this mountain, Mount Sinai, or the tents. So they're camping in the wilderness, um, the children of Israel. And, you know, Moses is... The only one at this point, he is going up the mountain to commune with God. And he tells them, the Israelites, that they are not 
to even go to like the foothills of the mountain. And they're definitely not to touch the mountain because that's where the glory is. And in those days, any sin, you know, and, and it's still the same today, but in a different way, but any sin, you know, and they're moaning and they're groaning and they're not happy or grateful for what God's just done. You know, he just parted the Red Sea and they're sitting moaning in this campsite, basically, and, and giving Moses a really hard time. And he says to them, do not touch the mountain. And basically, to paraphrase, um, they then see why he's saying that, because when you actually look through um, the whole of Exodus 15, right to the end, Exodus 40, talks about the attitude of the Israelites towards God, towards Moses. They were just so ungrateful. Um, you know, they come out in Exodus 15, verse 1, singing songs to God, saying, oh, you are our, you know, great Lord, you're mighty, you're, they're singing songs, just absolutely love God, they're praising him, you know, in verse 1. And even like Moses at that point, but very quickly, you know, they forget. Here they are, less than three months later, the foot of Mount Sinai. And they were eyewitnesses, though, to at a safe distance, because <laughs> they couldn't touch the mountain. They couldn't touch the glory, or they'd have been toast because of their attitude. Uh, but they were eyewitnesses at a safe distance uh, to the glory of God. And the way God's glory manifested at Mount Sinai to the children of Israel at this point in Exodus 19, uh, the glory of God sounded <laughs> like uh, thunder and lightning and the voice of a loud trumpet, it says. And then there's smoking fire and, you know, it says um, in verse 18, fire that comes from like a fiery furnace, that's sort of smoking. And then, if that wasn't enough, the whole mountain starts shaking. And, uh, you know, with the manifest presence of God, you know, they're at the foot of it in this campsite, moaning about this person who's doing all this. And... Um, Still moaning about Moses and, you know, basically, where's the promised land then, Moses? Where is it? We're, we're here in a campsite and, you know, they don't make any connection between their attitude, you know, and <laughs> what is happening to them. And basically, you know, Moses has gone up Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40, the, the number 40 is used a lot with regards to, to Moses just going off at a slight tangent. Um, and that usually means a time of sifting, sort of, um, you know, God sort of dealing with the person, or, you know, it's not just a negative thing, it's somebody overcoming stuff. 40 is talked about the number a lot uh, with regards to Moses. So anyway, he's up the mountain, he goes up the mountain for 40 days, and, um, you know, and the people are just like, you know, where is he? He's been away for 40 days and they know they can't get near this mountain. You know, so they probably thought he was dead. They probably thought, oh, you know, he's not come back because he's, he's 
done something and it's just toast. We saw it all shaking in the fire and trumpets and, you know, so, no, Moses wasn't dead. He, did, he came back down and he had been communing with God. And, you know, Moses really, in my personal opinion, should have been given an ancient Nobel Peace Prize because, you know, he, he kept them all together. And I'm sure it was extremely difficult because there's a lot of them. Uh, but basically, what I'm talking about here with the glory of God, it was, it was in the midst, really, of the Israelites. And yet they didn't really personally benefit from it. And their attitude wasn't right. And uh, Moses was the one who had to be the go-between between the people and between um, God. So in the Old Testament, it was like that. You couldn't really touch the glory because the Holy Spirit wasn't in people. The Holy Spirit like, came upon Moses to go and do things. And so he could go up the mountain. But even when he went up, God protected him from his glory. It was so incredibly powerful that he hid Moses in the cleft, a wee space in a rock as he walked past. Moses just saw his back. But when he came down, Moses' face was shining so much. He'd put a veil, you know, over his face because the people are like, oh, wait, what's going on? And it was because he was experiencing the glory that he started to shine. And so it's a real tangible thing, the glory of God and the power of God. And the prophet Habakkuk as well, he got a glimpse of that fiery glory. Um, he described it in Habakkuk 3, 4 as like the sun. Now, when the sun is really, really shining, you know, in a, a hot place, not <laughs> Scotland, but near the equator, you know, and you sort of look at it, you've got to be very careful uh, because it can damage your eyes. And in Habakkuk, it said that his brightness was as the light, the sun, and it had horns, but he meant like shafts coming out of his hand. Um, so that was Exodus and that was Habakkuk, both Old Testament, Old Covenant. So in the Old Covenant, the glory of God was just too awesome for human eyes to gaze upon and survive, unless it was someone like Moses who had, you know, personally been prepared for it and had the Holy Spirit using him. But, you know, the moaning, groaning, grumbling Israelites, uh, they couldn't go near the bottom of it where God's glory was manifesting because they just all have been taken out. They all have been toast, you know. So you can read about the cleft in the rock bit with God in Exodus 33, verses 21 to 23. But, you know, don't be put off by what I've just shared because, you know, today we live in the new covenant because of the blood of Jesus, what he's done for us, and we're in Christ. And so we have the Holy Spirit in us if we're born again and in Christ. And so God's glory is not untouchable 
or unreachable today for us, um, like it was in Exodus 19 on Mount Sinai. And as I said, it was the old covenant then. We live in a new and better covenant. And it's not about us, it's all about Jesus. And if you're in Christ, you can walk in that glory. And that's quite something, to walk in the glory of God. And I'll explain that um, shortly. So the new covenant is sealed with the blood of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the manifestation of God's glory on earth. When he came, who he is. And because that's where we're at, we're at now, new covenant, born again in Christ, then, you know, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, that we see his glory, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ as we abide in Christ. His glory abides in us. Abide means staying there. Staying in Christ, not going out, not going off to, you know, uh, do things that, you know, grieve the Holy Spirit, abiding in Christ and his glory abides in us then. So we can experience the Shekinah glory of God today through Christ, through Jesus Christ, whose death tore the veil that separated the holiest of holies in the Old Testament in the temple so that we can abide eternally in God's presence through the new covenant, the Holy Spirit in us. So, quick point, if there's anyone here today who has not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then that can change and you can receive it at the end of the meeting. We can minister with the laying on of hands, impartation for you if you want to do that. So when you walk in the glory of God, you have a fire. It's like the power of God within you is something the devil cannot stand against. When you understand what is in you, in Christ, who you are, and the glory and the power of God within you, the devil cannot withstand you. He might try, but he cannot conquer the glory. He can't. So Ephesians 6 verse 15 says that, you know, it's talking about there the armor of God, putting that on, what it means. And in verse 15, it's talking about our feet and, you know, shared the gospel of peace. And, you know, even our feet <laughs> have the glory of God about them, um, in them. So we can actually, you know, use that power to trample on the devil, <laughs> trample on Satan with our feet. Luke 10, 19, that type of thing. So maybe you're thinking, well, the manifestation of the glory of God, that's just something extraordinary out of your reach. Um, but you long to see the power of God in your life. Well, I am of the opinion that the glory of God is available 24-7. Because you were born of God, it says in John 1 verse 13, 
That glory of God's right inside you right now. And all things that the Father has, including his glory, belong to you in Christ. So what this means is his glory isn't too far out of reach. It's right within your grasp. It's just knowing how to actually experience it and how to walk in it, which brings me to the third final part, which is going to explain all that. So these are a few personal tips from my own experience through the years on how to receive the glory of God and how to walk in it. So there's a few things that I'm going to share. And the first thing is, you must have an expectation. You must want to see and experience the glory of God and the manifest presence of God and expect to see it. You know, you want to see it and then you expect to see it. And in Acts 7 verse 55, and, I, and I've used different versions, you know, as I've looked to put this together, what I thought expressed what I'm trying to say the best way, uh, New King James Version says here, but he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. If we aren't expecting to see the glory of God, we probably won't. And it's just like any thing in the kingdom of God, it takes faith to see a manifestation of it. Operates through faith without Faith, it's impossible to please God. Impossible. So the glory is visible power of God, and we can access it through faith. And as I said before, it's the Shekinah glory that we're talking about, the, the physical manifestations of God's glory that we want today because the power and, and being able to minister healing, you know, all the gifts, etc., are part and parcel of that. And there's umpteen testimonies from people and groups of believers who have seen visible evidence of the glory of God. And going back to the days of when Kenneth Hagin was preaching, he actually drew up a list of every single scripture in the Bible about the glory. And then when he would read out the scriptures in a service, what would happen? God watches over his word to perform it, never returns to him void. So the glory would appear as a cloud and a wave. Why I've talked about the tsunami waves of glory, knocking people over. And, you know, folk watch YouTube videos of that and go, what? They don't understand what's happening at a deep spiritual level and why those people can't stand. And majority of them, you know, you're always going to get something, you know, um, it's a bit off, but you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And we're talking about the power and glory of God here. So... It's tangible, it's powerful. So I suggest you start to expect to see <laughs> the glory of the Lord. And 
The second thing I would say is pray that the glory will be revealed to you and in you for others to see. Because each born-again believer has the ability to manifest God's glory here on earth. But like I said, we've got to believe that when we pray. That's why Jesus told Martha in John 11 verse 40 that if she would believe, she would see the glory of God. And it also says in Romans 8 verse 18, for I consider the sufferings of this present time not worthy to be compared to the glory which will be revealed in us. So pray and decree Ephesians 1, 17 to 18, that you will know the hope of his calling, which is the hope of his glory. And if you pray that, you, you can start to understand the riches of the glory of our inheritance. In Christ, God's glory was deposited in us in Christ. But we have to get that revelation of what it means to walk in the glory. A lot of um, the power and, the, and, and what we're talking about here comes by revelation. God shows you. When you ask him and you believe he's going to answer you. And so that, that is how it can happen. You can receive revelation um, of what it means to walk in his glory. And that's where decrees come in because the power of God is then able to operate and the heavenly hosts are released and the glory of God can manifest. And, you know, decreeing, is very powerful because again, you're taking God's word and you're, you're personalizing it for yourself or for your city, your country, and God will watch over his word to perform it. And so you need to keep repeating it though. You know, saying something once doesn't mean it will happen. You know, God, there's a scripture about a persistent widow in the Bible. And, you know, God wants to see if we really mean it we really want it, we really believe it. <laughs> so that would mean that you keep on asking, believing, having faith to receive it, and then it happens. I had many experiences of that in my own life, and especially with chronic illness, and God did answer, um, just not absolutely immediately. But also when he does do that, he's changing you and he's actually working everything the devil did in your life for good, Genesis 50, 20. So sometimes we don't always see what God's doing because we don't like it. And we want it to end immediately. <laughs> and um, often God is doing deep work in us when things like that happen. So pray and decree that the glory will be revealed to you and in you, and then you can see and experience the glory of God for yourself. And that is where miracle signs and wonders come in. And <clears throat> Moses prayed in Exodus 33, 18, 
Show me your glory. <clears throat> and he did. And when the believers gathered together in a spirit, and this is important, a spirit of unity, seeking the Lord in the upper room, the glory appeared um, at the day of Pentecost. And when we read in Acts 2, 1 to 4, the tongues of fire, the power and the glory of God that Jesus said, remember, would come in Acts 1, verse 8, as he ascended to the Father. He promised this would happen. They just had to tarry, wait a bit. And sometimes we have to wait a bit as, as God is getting us ready to receive what he has for us so that we don't blow it. <laughs> sometimes we're not ready to receive certain things and we don't know that. So it's just having faith that God has heard you. He knows exactly what is going on in your situation. He's with you. Uh, he goes before you. He sees the end from the beginning and you will see his glory in your life no matter what's going on at the moment, no matter how dark or difficult things seem. God has not changed. It's the same yesterday, today and forever. And his glory is the most powerful uh, substance in the universe. Nothing is more powerful than the power and the glory of God, which is ours in Christ. So we need to get the revelation of who we are. And the third thing I would say is, and I've already touched on it, it takes faith, it definitely does, to receive and operate in the glory. And faith works, we're told in Galatians 5, verse 6, by love. So it means that the glory of God will increase in you in direct proportion to how you walk in love. And I'm not talking about the sugar-coated, hallmark, Hollywood stuff. The love of God speaks the truth. And a lot of times people misunderstand what the love of God is. And they think someone speaking truth, the truth of God's word to them is being harsh, is being unkind, is being unloving, when in fact it's the opposite. And yes, we can temper how we say things, but it's certainly not unloving to be truthful with someone. Because sometimes it's because they can't see. They have like a blind spot, you know, when we're in our cars. And something's about to come up the side of them and maybe take them out. And so you see it and you're like, oh, wait, you know. And it's like, no, what? Go away. And, you know, people have a choice whether to listen or not to God and to us. So to increase the amount of the glory in your life, you do need to walk in love. But love is really just more glory. It's the glory of God. It's his character we're talking about. The manifest presence. The glory of God is the complete character of God. All at once, all together too. So don't allow strife, division, uh, gossip, all these things that the children of Israel were doing at the bottom of Mount Sinai, don't allow those into your life or your heart because that's what the enemy wants. He wants to block 
the light, the power, the glory. And that's one of the ways that he's quite successful in doing it. But we have a choice. We can accept it or stand against it. We're not robots. And the fourth and final thing um, for this part today, and, and, and it's very important, especially in these days that we're living in, we need to separate ourselves from the world. We need to. And it's very important. Uh, we have to, there's all sorts of scriptures, you know, come out of her, my people, you know, talking about Babylon and, you know, there's so many scriptures. And when I'm saying that, I don't mean that we become religious in as much as, you know, uh, we, we become like a Pharisee, you know, or you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do the next thing, uh, because I don't like that. I don't do that. I mean, if it's not something that the Lord is really putting on your heart, um, it's just maybe a preference you have. We all, we're all different, we're all unique, um, but we don't... Uh, allow division to come in because it's very important that we stay unified in the remnant together but also we're not one foot in here and clubbing at the weekend out there and doing all that stuff because what will happen is that the Holy Spirit in us he's going to convict us of that if we've got a conscience it's not seared He's going to convict us about the way we're living, what we're saying, what we're doing, how we're behaving. And we cannot get away with that. We cannot sin deliberately and think God will just nod. Now, God's grace is, is incredible, but people mistake the grace of God for him giving a nod and a guess. That is not the case. God is holy. He is not mocked. And God will, at one point, as someone keeps doing that, say, enough is enough. And that person will be dealt with, or that group of people, or that nation. So we need to really separate from the world. Uh, the world system, I mean, and, you know, we know what that is today. Uh, We've seen it for the last two years. It's been hidden before that. It's just more obvious now. So we don't want to be adding on to the Ten Commandments, you know, like the Israelites did and added another 600. We, we don't want to be like that. Um, that's not what Jesus said. He, he told us to love God and love others. And in that, the love that I was talking about, that is everything, that is it, and that is the glory. So we want to walk in the love of God. And to do that, we need to have faith too. Uh, faith for everything in the kingdom of God. So just to sort of uh, bring this to a sort of close, part one, I would say that today we do need a new normal. Mm. <laughs> We've heard about this a lot. New normal, new normal. Yeah, we need God's new normal. And I think that I can safely say none of us in here are interested in the other version. 
in the world, it's our Heavenly Father's new normal that we want and the kingdom of God's new normal because, let's face it, it wasn't really normal two years ago to, you know, be doing and saying what we're doing just now. It's always been that way in the kingdom, but people forgot or, or whatever's happened to them, who knows, but we're here today, we're part of the remnant, and we're going to go with God's new normal, not the world's. And so we have to really believe that we live and move and have our being in Jesus Christ. And he is our reason for being. I mean, we're now on this earth to do his will, not ours. We die to ourselves, and we live for him. So God will use us then to build up other people, to build his kingdom, to, he can do so many things and he'll show us his glory like he did with Moses. And the early Christians, they were no different to us today. Um, remnant saints now have, at least they've began, if they haven't got it by now, the, the revelation of this in their hearts, definitely since 2020. And so the first believers, they received the same, same Holy Spirit um, as you got when you were saved and, and baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Christians today are carriers of God's glory, just as surely as they were. When you look in Acts, you see what they could do. Shadows healed people. And they were called then the followers of the way. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. It was afterwards that they were called Christians. Sometimes it was a mocking thing, you know, little Christ. But, you know, that's what people call us. But they came out of that place, that time at Pentecost, separate from the rest of the world. That's the point I'm trying to make. They separated themselves and they were the light of God in the world in the middle of darkness, just like the light in Goshen that kept the Israelites safe in Egypt, which was so dark then. They didn't go into Egypt. They didn't, they were in it, but not of it. Like us, we're in the world, but not of it. We are citizens of the kingdom. And we need to remember that every single day. And then they preached the gospel and they, it said, worked miracles in Acts 2 verse 47. And the Lord added to their number daily, those who were being saved. There's a connection. People were seeing the power and the glory of God in operation. It wasn't just talk. It was in actions. It was actually the manifest presence of God. And people believed because the Lord backed up his word with signs and wonders following. And that's the glory that we need to be operating in. It's the same glory and it's all about him. It's not about us getting the glory for ourselves. And I hope that after listening to part one, which is just briefs at a description of what it is 
how to walk in it, what can block you, and how you need to have faith. You need to come out of the world system and you need to be unified together and support each other and build each other up, not pull each other down. Because at the end of the day, whatever gifts you see operating, it's in the body of Christ, it's operating to benefit other people. Rarely the person operating the gift, is it for them? Usually it's for other people. And so, but people misunderstand that, they covet gifts, they, you know, and the thing is, all the gifts are God's. They're not the person that is operating through the gift. They're being obedient to what God's telling them to do. And a lot of gifts actually sort of describe the calling on the person's life and, and things like that. There's all sorts of things you can get into there. But the whole thing is that with the glory comes the, the power manifest. People are healed, delivered, miracles happen, uh, financial miracles, uh, whatever you know the person needs who is in the remnant, God will keep us in that Goshen in the world today as we operate in faith and as we separate ourselves. So if that's your deep desire to know the power and the glory of our Father, our Saviour, and the Holy Spirit, who we now have living in us, which the moaning Israelites didn't have, then we've really not got any excuse not to operate in the way God wants to in these days. We need the power and the glory of God in this world. And I hope that after hearing this, that you will agree with me that God's awesome glory and his incredible power can work through us if we've got that deep desire for him to use us that way. So I just commit all this to you and I would suggest that you look up the scriptures that I've shared and we have not written them down, it'll be on the podcast. So I just thank you, Lord, for what you have shared about your glory, your power, your manifest presence. Help us, Lord, to uh, take this in and to experience what I've just described. And we just ask you, Lord, show us your glory in these days, in our lives, in our nation. For your glory, honour and praise, in Jesus' mighty name, amen.